0: I've been in karaoke finals without looking at the screen, and I've had 95% of the audience on my side.
1: Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent, and I'm happy you're back. I really enjoy writing these episodes every week, and I love that people are listening. If you enjoy this program, consider giving a little bit to support it and keep it going. You can do that through a very easy program called Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Michael Kent and sign up there, you can give a monthly amount starting with $1. And when you do that, it unlocks a ton of features and content, like being able to see my web series, Joke Story Trick, where I interviewed lots of celebrities. It's the only place to be able to see that. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Now, this week's episode comes to us from Scott. Hey, Michael, this is Scott. I'm calling with a suggestion for a show topic. The guy who invented karaoke never made any money from his idea. I thought you'd like to check that out. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Uh, You know, I've done karaoke maybe 15, 20 times in my life, and only one of those times was in Japan. Every time I have a blast, there's no good reason that there's not more karaoke in my life. But I knew nothing about the invention of it or really anything about it. So I spent the week looking into it. Translated literally. It means empty orchestra, like an orchestra playing without that one part to complete it, the vocalist. The idea of singing along to music obviously predates written history, but we can talk about karaoke as a social activity as beginning in the 1960s and 1970s. In this episode, we're going to talk about a guy named Daisuke Inoue. He's widely recognized as the father of karaoke. But there are multiple claims to the invention of the activity of socially singing to music. For instance, there was a popular television show that ran in the 1960s called Sing Along with Mitch. So far, you've done nicely. Now we want you to take the lead. We'll flash the words on the screen
0: so there's no excuse for mumbling. Throw open the window and let the neighbors hear you loud and clear.
1: Gee, boy. Mitch Miller, a slender man with a Faustian goatee, faced the camera and conducted while artists performed songs behind him and lyrics appeared on the screen. Americans would gather around their television sets and sing along to the popular songs on the show once a week. But that wasn't karaoke. That wasn't empty orchestra. After all, there were vocalists singing the songs on the show. Karaoke is a concept that really began in bars in Japan. And the formula that was necessary for the idea to take off was a combination of a few things. A microphone, a backing track without vocals, and the lyrics for the singer to read. Without those things, it's really not karaoke. In other words, the thing that really made karaoke take off was a machine that would provide those things. That's why Daisuke Inoue is the father of karaoke. He was born in 1940 in Osaka, Japan. In the late 60s and early 70s, Daisuke played the drums and keyboard in a band that gigged in bars around town that were frequented by businessmen. He was never an accomplished musician and later took on the role of being a manager for the band. Without a singer, the band would play covers of popular tunes and the Japanese businessmen would enjoy singing along to the songs. They began providing a microphone to the men so they could take turns being the lead singer of the band. These little bars, known as snacku bars, are tiny establishments where business people would go to unwind after a long day. And as they say, necessity breeds innovation. He became quite in demand to provide this background sing-along music. Local bars were calling him Dr. Singalong, but he couldn't be everywhere, and he couldn't supply a background band everywhere. So one night, on an occasion where Daisuke couldn't attend and couldn't find any musicians to attend a Sanaku bar. A businessman that frequented the bar asked that Daisuke tape himself playing the music so it could be played for them to sing along to. An idea was born. Not only did he create a tape for that night, he created multiple tapes of him playing at home for them to sing to. But without someone there to organize them and play them, he had another idea. He called it the Juke 8. The Juke 8 was a pretty simple machine. Inoue connected an 8-track player from a car stereo to a microphone and amplifier and added a reverb box and a coin slot. The 8-track tapes were loaded with the background tracks to all the most commonly requested songs of 1969 Japan. It was a huge hit. He couldn't keep the thing from filling up with coins. So he made a few more. A friend of his from electronics school was helping him wire the machines together. The Juke 8s he had made had become so popular that when a club owner was planning on opening a string of clubs in Osaka, he requested a Juke 8 for each one of them. By 1971, he was selling them as fast as he could make them, $425 a unit. Before he knew it, the karaoke craze had grown out of Osaka and invaded Tokyo. Daisuke Inoue had made 25,000 Juke 8 karaoke machines. Karaoke exploded into a huge worldwide business. The global karaoke market today is something like $10 billion. But Daisuke never got rich from his invention. He never saw any royalties from this huge industry that he alone is credited with creating. I'll tell you why after a quick message from a sponsor. In many parts of the country, it's been colder lately. And if you look at the photos on my Instagram, you'll see that I'm wearing one of my favorite clothing items for this time of year, my Scotty Vest fleece. It's been awesome for traveling around because it's got pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, charging cord, you name it. It's a clothing company I believe in, and I'm confident they've got an article of clothing that you'll love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. I talked to the founder of the company last weekend. He's the Scott in Scotty Vest, and I've arranged for you to get a special percentage off your order go to the internet says it's slash deals, or just use the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the story. The karaoke industry is a $10 billion industry. Around 10% of that comes from the United States, where my friends used to like to embarrass each other by going to a karaoke bar and choosing each other's songs. Without fail, by the way, they always had me sing Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-A-Lot. And that sucks because I can actually sing. If they gave me a Frank Sinatra or a Tim McGraw song, I'd bring the house down. But that's not what karaoke is about. It's about sharing time with your friends and humbly being okay with sucking and having drinks and just blowing off some steam. It's not just a machine that was invented by Daisuke Inoue. It's a leisure activity, a piece of culture. And it's hard to put a price tag on that. That's why Daisuke made the fatal mistake of never actually patenting his Juke 8 karaoke machine. Call it naivete, call it imposter syndrome, call it what you want. But in his words, he simply put things together that already existed. He didn't feel like he invented anything. He didn't invent the microphone or the 8-track or the amplifier. He just put them together with a coin slot and a reverb box. He didn't even invent the word karaoke. That was an existing word to describe a recording to replace an orchestra in the theater after musicians had gone on strike empty orchestra he didn't feel like what he had invented was worthy of patenting he didn't know what it would become but imagine if thomas edison had said that imagine if thomas edison never patented the light bulb and said i didn't invent a glass bulb or a filament or inert gas i just put them together daisuke did make a small amount of money over the years from selling his machines but he never saw a penny from a karaoke machine he didn't make. He went on to invent a few other small things like a machine to kill cockroaches that get inside karaoke machines. It's estimated that had he patented the karaoke machine, he would make around $100 million a year in royalties. After his inventing days, he slipped into a horrible depression, feeling like he had entered the work till you die rat race. He claims it was his dog, Donbei, who pulled him out of it? In 2004, more than 30 years after the invention of the Juke 8, Daisuke Inoue was invited to Harvard University to be awarded an Ig Nobel Prize. Now, it's not a particularly lofty prize. The Ig Nobel Prizes are somewhat satirical prizes awarded to achievements that have sort of a trivial or unusual quality to them. Their ceremony is pretty absurd, pretty ridiculous, and you can actually find it on YouTube to search for the 14th annual. The ceremony is closed by the words, if you didn't win a prize, and especially if you did, better luck next year. But nonetheless, Inoue was recognized as the father of karaoke. He's widely accepted as the man who started the global trend. The Ig Nobel Peace Prize is awarded this year to Daisuke Inoue of Hyogo, Japan for inventing Karaoke. Thereby... Once a time, I had the dream to teach people to sing. So... I invented the karaoke machine. I don't know, it was the start of something of big. Now, more than ever. I want to teach the world to sing harmony. You see? Oh. Let's party. Thank you. Today, Inoue is 80 years old and lives in a home on a mountaintop in Kobe. He's not bitter about never patenting his machine. He's happy that he's brought so many people together. He says that every night he puts his three granddaughters to bed and sings songs with them. About once a week, They pull out one of his old karaoke lyric books and take turns singing loudly to each other. It's a social activity. It's meant to bring people closer together. And to Daisuke Inoue, that's all it was ever meant to be. Now, it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Brian Brushwood. Brian is the host of Scam Nation, a YouTube channel with millions of subscribers and views. You know him from Scam School, from the Modern Rogue, and he's co-host of Great Night and Court Killers on Twitch. He's also got an amazing podcast called World's Greatest Con. Welcome, Brian. It's good to see you. It's always good to see you in person because
0: I get to harangue you and ask when you're going to come down to Austin.
1: I need to come down there. That was the, one of the first things that got canceled in 2020 was my visit That's right. to you. We,
0: we had you on the books
1: and then all yeah. of a sudden, uh, COVID. Yeah. Am I right? Plane tickets had been purchased, I believe. And we were, yep. we were ready to go. And then we were like, yeah. Being that we were planning on shooting in a bar, we were like, eh, no one's going to want to go to a bar so
0: Uh, we still have not recovered from that we're actually building a bar like set on campus so that everybody can feel
1: safe when uh, when we start shooting bar tricks again that's awesome brian is coming to us from the campus of the scam nation compound do you have a fancy name for the scam nation compound
0: oh man you- uh, different different groups call it different things for some
1: reason the seven acre schwood seems to have stuck <laughs> which i think is funny tell everyone about a little bit about the history of what this is what we're talking about here
0: So uh, right now, this seven-acre compound, and I guess an art compound would be the right word for it. Um, At some point, I realized we're doing so many different things. And uh, in order to keep up with it, what I wanted to do is start hosting more people. But the problem is when you host people, it's expensive because you got to pay for a hotel and blah, 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 blah. So what we ended up building is kind of a Willy Wonka Jurassic Park uh, theme park hybrid that's half uh, Airbnb and half live production studio and also a, a large YouTube production studio. And uh, uh, the idea being that we could get talented people like you to come down spend a week with us. And then, uh, you know, we shoot one afternoon, you bring your significant other and then uh, the rest of the time, you know, do Austin.
1: Yeah. And if you want a good example of burying the lead, uh, Brian forgot to mention that it's a former nudist colony. Okay, worse than that,
0: it's a former former nudist colony, former uh, cult compound, uh, former uh, martial arts studio, and ground zero for the most notorious false arrest in satanic panic history, Uh, uh, which is is, uh, I'm giving you a scoop. We haven't talked about it live, but uh, uh, this used to be, among other things, be a preschool where the couple that ran it were falsely arrested for uh, crazy, you know, made-up satanic panic
1: stuff. I know they made that it story. Seventeen years
0: into their sentence, and were released and given one point
1: seven million dollars apiece from the state. <gasps> I know that story. That is crazy. I did not know right? you were sitting on that piece of history. Oh my god! Even even
0: creepier. Uh, uh, I, I, as long as I'm spilling the beans, um, like last year, I found in the creek out back a rusted out um uh, scooter. That
1: you would find, oh, I don't know, like at a preschool oh, that had been no. sitting in the rain and abandoned back there. Yikes. All right, so we do. We have five questions to play the game with. You don't know what this is all about. For the first question, Brian, we're playing for a joke. So if okay. you get it right, I have to tell a joke. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me one. You got it. Daisuke Inoue is known as the father of karaoke because he invented the karaoke machine. Which he sold to bars around Japan in 1971. Which of these three statements is true? Only one of these statements is true. A. He never patented it and he missed out on his share of a $10 billion industry. B. His original name for the machine was Kashinashi, which translates to no lyric. Or C. He went on to become rich by inventing the 3D printer in 1980.
0: Oh. I'm going to feel like it's number one because if there's one thing about great ideas is very rarely the creatives who create them tend to think about small details like protecting their ideas.
1: You are correct. He never patented it, and he missed out on his share of a $10 billion industry. He missed out. He'd probably be making, they say, around $100 million a year in royalties.
0: Uh, Or alternate possibility. It's possible that because he was charging everybody and announcing himself as the karaoke police, that karaoke never took off and it never amounted to a hill of beans.
1: This is true. Sometimes, you know, and this is our argument for things like Tesla allowing their software to be and and hardware to be open source and saying, here, create a, a competitive field of vehicles so we can get this infrastructure moving. So I totally take your point. Uh now the 3D printer was first described in nineteen eighty, but it was invented by a man named Hideo Kodama. Uh, but I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. It was never I don't think there was one made, but he did write the instructions on if there was one, what it would be back so in nineteen eighty. 1980. In
0: nineteen eighty one, you would have had dot matrix printers yeah. and you would have the understanding of pixels, and it's not the biggest leap in the world to envision. 3D pixels, or as they call them, voxels, and imagine some kind of substrate that, that is able to, to, to spit them out one at a time. Yeah, uh, I, I don't that's know. That's amazing that it goes back. To be honest, I'm surprised that, it, that it's not even earlier.
1: Sure. I mean, we think about, you know, we had toys that were plastic. The, the availability of plastics was around. Now, they weren't probably on spools that consumers could get their hands on, but uh, absolutely. Now, um, you got that right. So I owe you a joke. Here is All your right. joke. Have you ever noticed that when geese fly in a V formation, there's always one side of that V that's longer than the other? Do you know why? That, do you know yeah. why that is? What? It has more geese on that side.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's got lazier geese that are, <laughs>
1: are dragging. Yeah. So dumb. I heard that joke on a uh, <laughs> on a tour somewhere. Someone did a tour. He had another one. He said, do you know how they decide the one that leads the V? It's the one in front. <laughs> so stupid. All right. Uh, so you're one for one. For the next question, we're going to play for a story about something that's happened to us while we're performing. You spent many years on stage. Boy. You've done lots of different you know, shows in, in, in a lot of different formats, whether it be magic or you've, you've done a lot of work. So if you get it right, I'll tell you one of my embarrassing stories. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me one. I'm buckled in. Here's your question. According to Singing Machine, which is one of the most popular karaoke machines, which one of these is the most often requested karaoke song of 2021? Is it A, Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond, B, Let It Go from Frozen, or C, Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks?
0: Ooh, this is a dirty question because I am certain that at any given time, all three of these were probably number ones, but you asked in 2021. And uh, uh, the options again, it was Let It Go, it which th- certainly would resonate
1: with the spirit of 2021. Um, Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond and Friends in One Places. That one's places.
0: so timeless. I feel like that would have been earlier. And then finally, what was the the third?
1: Friends in low places. I
0: I I think there's something about the the synergy of "Let It Go" as an idea that is too good for me to pass up. So I'm going to go with "Let It Go." Plus, also that was a dang fine karaoke performance in that episode of Ted Lasso where she
1: sang "Let It Go." (laughs) You are correct. The answer is "Let It Go" from Frozen. You're two for two. Uh, The second most popular. It was was this is from Singing Machine, right? So this isn't you know no one's out there doing an official uh, <laughs> Rasmussen poll of of karaoke. But uh, the second most popular was Dance Money by Tone and I, which I am not familiar with. No idea. I what am not that familiar is. with. Uh, the third most popular was Shallow from the movie from A Star Is Born. That's Billy Ray Cyrus and Lady Gaga. Ooh, so and, this and, this
0: I, year that it's I, sad. I, Yeah. That sad, miserable, uh, 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 emotional train wreck of a journey in which you realize (laughs) that no matter how good or popular you are, Validation can't come without. It only comes from within. And when you don't have it, eventually you take a bunch of ambient and kill yourself. Can spoiler. I spoiler?
1: Can I ask the listeners to please continue listening after this episode? It's just a, a, <laughs> pl- a polite request. Yes. Uh so shallow actually was listed at the top of a few different lists. I didn't put it on my three because it could be in contention for that top one. Friends in Low Places and Sweet Caroline are always in the top fifty. Those are always in the top fifty. So I have I do have a story to share with you. It isn't quite an embarrassing story, it's kind of an interesting story. Um sadly my my grandfather passed away last week and we had his uh sort of like a a luncheon wake type thing at my dad's house. And the pastor from the ceremony was there. She had never met my grandpa. She had never met any of us until she had a meeting with my my dad and my stepmom about grandpa and you know what she wanted to what they wanted to do for the service and she When she met me, she said we were still in the funeral parlor. She said, uh, now I know that you're you're the magician's son. Um, ma- magician singular son, not the magicians. My dad's not a magician. She knew that. Right. So my dad introduces me oh, as got it, his got it, magician got it. I, son. I, I thought
0: they misunderstood and thought yeah, <laughs> got <laughs> mixed up saying that your dad was a magician. No,
1: no, uh, no. The, you're the magician son. Like that's how the, got it. I, it was never. It, my dad never introduces me as his son, Michael. It's always like, this like is my you're, magician you're the son. liberal daughter. Or <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, this is my black sheep is basically what yeah, he says. Exactly. So he says this uh, to her earlier. So she introduces this to me. And says, would you do magic for me? And we're still at the funeral home. So I I politely declined. I was like, yeah, I don't really have anything with me. I'm not really, you know, in that sort of mindset right now and all that. But later at the house, when we were relaxed a little bit more, um, she asked again. And so I did magic for her. She really wanted to see magic. And she loved it. She was just a great audience member. And she was like, you know, I uh, someone did some magic for me once where I had a Rubik's Cube behind my back. And I was mixing it up. And it was mixed up before I put it behind my back. But when I pulled it forward, it was soft. And she, she was describing it as the most amazing thing. And in my head, I'm thinking, I know, I know that trick. That's something that I do. But I didn't want to steal this magician's thunder. So, you know, whatever. So we continued talking and found out that she was from this small town where I know one person. And I said, do you know this person's name? And she said, oh, yes, I do know that person. The reason I know this person is because he had me come in and teach a magic trick to some of his high school students for a play. She was the director. I was the magician what? with the Rubik's Cube. I had met her. Wait, she was telling a story about you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Wasn't that amazing? Uh, and so, I mean, I was slightly embarrassed that I didn't remember her and, and recognize having performed this trick for her. But it was funny that while she was telling the story, in my head, I was like, I know this trick. Um, of course I do, because I was the person in the story. I just didn't know it. Uh, the uh,
0: Ironically... uh uh, thankfully I got the question right so I don't have to say my embarrassing story but the closest story I have to that um that I am choosing of my own accord to share is talking to one of the event coordinators at a college and uh, uh being on the hunt for gossip I asked uh in mixed company in a group setting hey have you ever had somebody you just brought in and they were just a disaster the students hated them uh and uh she goes well yes um it was you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hey, kudos, kudos to that events director for having the guts to say that right in front of you and and yeah. not shy away. You know, that's pretty awesome oh, of that person. Also,
0: not for nothing. Uh, uh, number one, my show's not for everybody to begin with, and number two, who boy was I ill? Like, I think I vomited before and after that show.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, well then you have a good reason. I so this was another one that I, I just remembered, and I, I want to move on with the questions, but but briefly, this this just happened. Uh, I have a magic trick for sale that other magicians can buy. It's not very popular, and it's not it's the only one I've ever done this way. Where I was like, uh, I came up with this magic trick. It doesn't quite feel like something I need to hang on to, so I sold it the I, the rights to magician. It's called repair. That's because it's a popped and restored balloon, and I capitalized the A I R and repair. It was cute, yeah, uh, repair, and. I'm in a bar performing. I was an emceeing a like a business awards evening and I'm in the bar. It was at a brewery. I'm at the bar and I sit next to a guy to order a drink. And the guy said, aren't you the repair guy? (laughs) And I said, no, So I was ready to fight him for thinking I was the repair man. I was in a suit (laughs) and uh, it took a long time of him saying no repair you're the re- you did repair i'm like no i didn't you, you, I'm you're not the here. magician
0: who came up with this effect that i'm clearly uh, enamored with enough that i know who you are yes
1: <laughs> yeah so it was very strange uh because you know you don't expect to meet another magician at a bar and if they t- to st- strike up a magician only conversation like that without first explaining that you're a magician is a super weird thing
0: (laughs) i mean first of all uh to encounter somebody who you know is a magician and have the first words you blurt out not be i'm a magician is (laughs) remarkable in and of itself like you 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 spotted a sasquatch right there. this is
1: true yeah it's like we're in this exclusive club that there aren't many people in let's bond but no uh he he to this guy the idea that I created this magic trick in like 2013 is in the forefront of my head, so much so that if he names the trick, I'm like, yes, that's me. You know, like quickly, yes, that's me. I'm gra- grabbing onto this fame.
0: That's amazing. Uh, so, dude. yeah, I
1: was ready to fight him like, no, I'm not. Stop saying I'm the repairman. I am not. Not that there's anything wrong with repairmen. Um, Anyway, let's move on. Fine (laughs) trade. Question three. For this question, we're playing for a coveted, the internet says it's true sticker. Uh, This is a three inch by three inch square sticker. The back of it is sticky. Uh, This this question uh, is about Mindy Kaling's book called Is Everyone Hanging Out With Me? In the book, she writes about karaoke etiquette and she says the following quote. I really think people should be thinking of themselves more as temporary DJs for the party. And it kind of behooves you to pick a short song. I don't care if Don freaking McLean shows up in a red, white, and blue tuxedo, no one is allowed to sing. What? What song does she cite? A. Inagata DeVita, B. American Pie, or C. Freebird? Well, I mean, it's
0: got to be the fact that she name checks. Uh, Don McLean, it's got to be American Pie, the song that Don McLean made famous. Uh, so I'm I'm going to say American Pie.
1: You are correct. It's American Pie. That song hinged on your knowledge of Don McLean. Having sung that song, uh, American Pie comes in at eight minutes and 42 seconds. Also, she's 100 percent right. Yes. Figure out how to like like if it were up to me, all of y'all would be
0: singing Her Majesty by the Beatles. Twenty two <laughs> seconds long and out. <laughs>
1: My friends inevitably choose Baby Got Back For Me. That is the song that like because we, we would when we would go out to I, I haven't been to karaoke forever, but when we did, we would choose each other's songs. It's karaoke is a lot more fun that way. And uh, oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah, uh,
0: especially if, if 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 it is
1: known that you may or may not know the words. Absolutely. And they knew that that was one that I had done at like a bachelor party forever ago. So it became a thing that that's the only song I was allowed to ever do. So. Man, you're, uh, you're three for three. You are killing it, as they say. Uh, question four, we're playing for an audio Easter egg. So if you get I- it wrong, you have to say a phrase of my choosing on an upcoming live stream or episode. Oh, this is wonderful. Okay, if you yeah, get it right. I'll, I'll, I'll work your phrase in. Absolutely. And if you get it right, I'll say that same phrase on the next episode of this podcast. And here's the phrase. The phrase is flickety wicket. Flickety wicket? You can maybe use that to describe something like, this topic is a real flickety wicket if you think about it. Yeah. Maybe you would use Uh, sticky wicket would be like the normal phrase. But flickety wicket would be one of those things that you'll just let slide by and no one will even ask you about it. You know, you do shows with other people. I bet they won't even say anything about the fact that flickety wicket isn't a thing.
0: I believe that it was uh, the poet Abraham Lincoln who said flickety wicket. That's all he said. That was
1: the beginning and end of the sentence.
0: <laughs> like, like, That'll be just a standalone and then stare awkwardly at the, at the yeah.
1: audience. Sadly, that was the speech before the Gettysburg Address, and so no one remembered Nobody the remembers that one. <laughs> Apparently,
0: he crushed on the encore.
1: Yeah. What country holds the title for the most in-home karaoke machines with almost one in every household? Is it a... I mean- J- oh, you do- oh, is it multiple choice? It is, uh, or unless you want to just go for it. No, I've already
0: got my answer, though, okay. but go ahead. Okay,
1: here we go. It, you, this might surprise you. Uh, is it A, Japan, B, Thailand, or C, Philippines? So Japan is the most obvious one, because I believe
0: Karaoke is a Japanese word. But there's also they are also a very populous country. So, if we're talking about one per household, if it seems like there's a bigger swing with the Philippines or Thailand, I think Thailand is smaller. I'm gonna say Thailand.
1: I'm gonna go Thailand. I'm sorry, Brian. The answer is Philippines. Philippines. Oh, <laughs> hey, they can't all be easy questions. This one was difficult uh, and surprised me as well. This is according to phillife.com. Karaoke is an integral part of the Philippines culture. Filipinos are brought up surrounded by singing. It becomes a normal pastime of everyday life. If visitors come to the house, they will all sing together. Or if it's a special occasion, they will enjoy singing as part of their Filipino celebrations. So this one makes sense to me. And here's why. When I went to Thailand, I've, I've only been to the I, I can't say that I've been to the Philippines. I've, I've flown through the Manila airport. And in one of my tours for the troops, I stopped in a a U.S. air base that's in the Philippines, but I haven't gone out and experienced Filipino culture. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, speaking
0: to which, uh, for the uninitiated, uh, on military bases, they go out of their way to make them feel like little Americas because they, uh, you know, oftentimes they're family members who probably don't want to be thinking about the fact that they're in a foreign country yes. to support their husbands and so on or, yes. or wives or significant others. Um, uh, it, yeah, uh, uh, quick, quick side jag. Uh, when I was in Germany, the home of Beck's brew, uh, beer, they in the uh, uh, the the PX uh, they had Beck's, but to make it as American as possible, it was the crappy Canadian brewed Americanized <laughs> it was, Beck's
1: it was bottled in, Canada. in Germany in the American base. Uh, how horrible is that? But it's it's very true. And sometimes I've met people who have been there for a year. And in three days, I've ventured out to see more of the touristy, you know, culture y stuff than they have because some of these folks are 19, 20 years old. They, they didn't ask to go there. They're not interested in necessarily seeing the culture. They have a job to do and that's what they're there to do. And uh, so, in, but what I was going to say was I did get some time in Thailand and a lot of the bands that perform in Thailand are Filipino and the singers in those bands there is something about the Filipino culture where they are able to perfectly mimic American voices in bands.
0: So in my imagination, I'm imagining maybe they don't even speak English, Yes, but then all of a sudden this perfect uh, Boston accent comes out of them (laughs) as they, as they play American hits.
1: What's interesting is uh, tone wise, it's perfect. But in terms of the diction, it's, it's lacking a little bit. You can tell that it's not a native language. Um, and a good example of this is the lead singer of Journey. If you've heard this, is a Filipino guy who is amazing, sounds exactly like Steve Perry. Um, but every once in a while, there's like a word that's not, it doesn't quite, quite sound right. We were walking down and we heard this amazing cover of Thunderstruck by ACDC. But he was yelling Sosa instead of Thunder. Sosa! Ooh, wow! Ooh, wow! Uh, wow! 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 So so, and it didn't matter. It sounded exactly like ACDC, the band, everything. So, uh, yeah, That's give awesome. it up to Filipino bands. Uh, okay, so you're three for four. This is your final question, and this one, Brian, is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show, never to be asked on again. Oh. Here's your question. All right, I'm ready. What recent tech development has you most excited? I'll tell you what. This may be the year
0: that we stop giggling at AI bots, because uh, for for a good twenty years, an easy punchline has been to say things to Siri and 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 watch how bad she gets it wrong, or or autocomplete, or or. Or um, uh, uh, there's a company named uh, OpenAI where you can give it a paragraph of a Stephen King novel and it'll just keep on writing as though it's Stephen King. And it would get hilariously bizarre where characters would start making love to each other or whatever. Uh, I think this is the hairpin turn where we're going to be over the hump and all of a sudden, like... uh, For example, one of the things we talk about on the Weird Things podcasts, uh, one of the many podcasts that I do, is about how we are now at the point where AIs are programming other AIs. So you can say to an AI bot, I need a program that'll sift through blank and uh, connect somebody with, uh, recognize a face, and then uh, pair it up with their student ID. And then uh, just hearing that prompt, it'll go out to GitHub, and find a discussion about similar related topics and then come back to you with snippets of code and say, all right, well, I'm pretty sure this is what you wanna do. Or you could start programming and then at some point the AI will just say like, oh, I get it, I can see what you're doing now. And it'll just keep on going and and finish the rest of it for you. Um, like the weird part is I can't point to anything specific about that that excites me, but I feel like that's the field where the biggest surprises are going to come at us
1: the fastest in the next two to three years. Interesting. Well, I'll count that as a right answer. You're welcome to come back on the show sometime. I would love to have you. Uh, Brian Brushwood, you have a, a podcast that did really well. And it was Ooh, about yeah, it topical was, news. It was called uh, The World's Greatest Con. And yeah, dude. D- it was an amazing oh, story. If you don't know the story, just go back. The, the best way to learn about the story Rather than I read, I had read a book about this, but I wish that your podcast was out first because it's a much better way to learn the story. It's it's dramatic. You're interested in it, and when the host is interested in it, the listeners are interested in it because I couldn't stop listening to it. And it's about. Do you want to tell us briefly what season one is about without any spoilers?
0: Sure. Uh, No, I mean I'll I'll spoil it. We uh, we sell it pretty much at the beginning. We explain Um, it's a bonkers bonkers tale, but it's also one where there's pretty much only one book on the subject and one movie made about it. They're getting ready to, uh, I think in, in January, it's going to be a Netflix original about it. But, um, uh, the more we dove into it, the happier we got, uh, it, it's, it's about a bonkers, uh, allied, uh, it sounds, like history podcast, it's not really a history podcast, but basically they take a dead body, the allies take a dead body with the intention of conning Hitler into believing that the allies are going to invade the wrong place. And so the parts that surprise and delight are the fact that the guy who came up with the idea was Ian Fleming who would later go on to create James Bond. And uh, uh, there's an entire episode talking about what it's like to be in the 20 committee where you're making up an entire backstory for. Or a fictitious person and then uh when when you then at some point you get the okay and you actually have to mess around with the dead body and you think about stuff that you wouldn't normally think like how do you cause rigor mortis uh, 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 on a frozen ankle to fit inside a, a boot uh, yes. in a uniform you can't split the boot open otherwise people will figure out that this is obviously a setup or whatever but the idea was to fill a dead body with a bunch of lies and drop it off the coast of that's the other question where do you drop this corpse th- th- this corpse off something that won't you, you can't just put it you know airdrop it over B- berlin uh, but 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 you have to make sure that it's a place that you're pretty sure is sympathetic to nazis but uh, where it'll be found and everybody will believe it mm-hmm. it's a remarkable and, remarkable story
1: and and i would venture to say that it's a story that could not happen in 2021 because it's almost impossible to find someone With no identity, which is what is required to give an identity to someone. Um, It's very difficult to find someone who no one has known, no one can claim, no one can say this, oh, that was my cousin, anything like that. I mean, they created someone out of whole cloth.
0: You you know what's funny is when you said that, I've never had a reason to think about this, but... I would not be the least bit surprised if going back 50 years or whatever uh or maybe 60 years, 70 years, if there's some super top secret government program where they just have a catalog of of I, false identities like um uh like, like like it seems to me like you would have a fresh uh, group of fake people uh <laughs> that, that 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 you have in the bank at all times and that the longer I don't know do you think do you think the government is doing that? I, I sound like a conspiracy
1: theorist. I I think that if they are, it's. I mean, it's only just to save themselves some time. I, I don't know how difficult it is. I think the harder part is finding the body that can't be identified.
0: Well, and and again, it, it's all in in the story. Yes. Uh, who they end up using, and the idea that. Um, somebody becomes a war hero after their death is is fairly remarkable yes. in and of itself but uh, but we we just found out that we were one of the top 100 uh, actually top top 50 most subscribed uh podcasts on all of pocket casts uh, wow. this in 2021 yeah that's
1: amazing and and it is really really well produced uh, and I understand that you're sort of working on a second season. Is this, are we allowed to? Yeah,
0: I'll give you no details, but we are, uh, the official line is we are hard at work. It's season two.
1: We are That's we are exciting. very excited about it. That's, that's ex- all I get to say. That's very exciting. Uh, you heard it here. Go subscribe if you haven't already. It's called World's Greatest Con with Brian Brushwood. Um, man, it was so great to catch up.
0: Uh, yeah, dude, this was a total blast. We're gonna, uh, okay. we're gonna,
1: I'm gonna get down there to Austin sometime soon. We're gonna hang out. All right, uh, then I'll have
0: a quiz for you. Uh, I'll have it uh, flickety wicked.
1: <laughs> all right, man. Have a good one. Thanks again. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks to Scott for the topic and to Brian Brushwood for being my guest. Here's a kid who always picks Yellow Submarine as his karaoke song.
0: Thank you for listening to the Internet says it's true. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash michaelkent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new. If the internet says it's true,
1: the Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make the show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, Joshua Indress, and the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge and additional music this week was from Jesse Gallagher. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17, USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts. And you can see bonus content at Patreon.com slash Michael Kent.